Some may find the following disturbing. Discretion is advised. everybody welcome to gabriel talks football i am your co-host filling in today for the great aldo who is recovering right now from surgery he looks great he sounds great Aldo, best wishes to you my brother we are uh, praying for a very speedy recovery you can follow me at ross reed on twitter that man right there is greg gabriel you can follow him at g gabe football on twitter greg how you doing today I'm doing good. It's really good to meet you in person here. I guess we're in person. We're we're we're, we're on the, the same screen in a post-COVID world. This is in person, right? <laughs> That's right. Absolutely. Well, listen. I am uh, I'm excited to chat with you today. Um, we've got the bar flies already popping off in the comments right now. We've got a lot to get to today. We've had a lot happen within the last week with the Chicago Bears. I want to pick your brain about it. Um, so let's just jump right into it. I kind of wanted to start with uh, today. We got the unofficial depth chart ahead of uh, the first preseason game this Saturday against the Tennessee Titans. The Bears are hosting the Titans at Soldier Field this Saturday at noon. And uh, I wanted to get your thoughts about uh, what an unofficial depth chart means. Should we react to it? Should we overreact to it? And uh, what are you seeing with this depth chart? You know, it's funny because I've been looking at Twitter, or should I call it X, whatever the hell it is, <laughs> um, you know, over the last 10, 15 minutes, and there's a ton of comments about the depth chart and where guys are lined up. It, don't put any stock into it. It's meaningless. The coaches very rarely or at, or at all have any say in what this depth chart looks like. It's put out by the PR department. And now there might be a case where a coach might say, put so-and-so at the bottom just to send a message type thing. But for the most part, it's just a, a, a figment of the PR department's imagination to put out so something is on paper. You'll get a better idea of what the depth chart is when you see the game on Saturday. And even then... <laughs> It's meaningless because, you know, preseason games are, are just, it's practice. It's a live practice. And it's just about seeing certain players in certain situations. And if the, we'll probably know later in the week, maybe tomorrow or the next day, if the starters are going to play at all. I expect them to play a series at least because you have the shortened preseason and, and there's so many new players. So, I, you know, I think they'll, they'll play a little or or at least a selected group of, of the starters will play. But we'll find out that later in the week. But as far as, you know, all the conversation I've seen on Twitter in the last half hour, it, it, it just don't overreact. It, it, it doesn't mean anything. I completely agree with you. And I think the Bears probably uh, inadvertently agree with you as well. We saw that depth chart change about three times this morning already. 
We saw, you know, Roshan Johnson, the rookie running back, was was RB5 to start the day, and he bumped all the way up to RB3 before he practice even started today on that depth chart. Um, you know, what was interesting to me, though, is... He probably had a good meeting. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, what was interesting to me, though, <laughs> was to see a guy like Travis Gibson, who was basically the fifth defensive end uh, on that depth chart. And, you know, again, we are echoing that this is just semantics at this point, but... Do you think that his uh, his roster spot is potentially uh, in trouble here? Yep. Yeah, I, I, I knew that months ago. They were very unhappy with the way he played last year. And, you know, he had seven sacks the year before. And people say, well, it's a different defense. Well, he's an edge player. It's not that much different for the edge players. He didn't have to drop. But he had to rush the passer, and he didn't do a very good job rushing the passer. Seven sacks one year, and he drops down. I, I don't remember what the number was last year. But his overall play versus the run, his pass rush uh, was bad. So he needs to step up. And part of it, like I said, part of the, you could have a coach want to send a message out with, with some of these names and, and, and have the guy listed real low on the depth chart only to send the message. So he's going to, because he'll see it and, and he'll say, shit, I better get my ass in gear this week. And, you know, maybe he ends up coming up big in the game. But um, right now, I would say he's probably, in reality, the fifth defensive end, not fifth string defensive end. And that, you know, the, the four ahead of him, would be Yannick, and you know he's not going to play this week, Demarcus Walker, Dominique Robinson, and Rasheem Green. And then it would be a fight for number five between Terrell Lewis and, and uh, Travis. And how they play in the preseason will really determine who that's going to be. I don't see DeAnthony Jones even making the team. Uh, I know he's had some spurts or practice that are good, but he's a guy that's just over six feet tall. He's got short arms. He doesn't break five flat in the 40. He's just not what you look for at the defensive end position in this scheme. Could he be a practice squad player? Yeah, but he, but I don't see him making the 53. One guy we do know making the 53 and unofficial or not, he will be defensive end one, and that is the new acquisition from last week. Uh, we got it late last week that Yannick Ngakwe is now on the Chicago Bears. It's a one-year deal, $10.5 million. Um, Yannick has bounced around the last couple of years uh, since you know starting his career with Jacksonville. I kind of wanted to get your thoughts on the signing alone um, and then followed up with the fact that he only got a one-year deal, um, but he also got a little bit more money than a guy that was signed over the weekend in Justin Houston, who was another guy that uh, could have potentially been on the Bears' radar. What do you think of the move? What do you think of the fit and the the, uh, the contract that he got? I think all along he was the guy they were targeting. Um, I'm going to back up a little bit because we, uh, we did spend a lot of time on show talking about this. And... Swifty got in in the comments and, and he brought up Justin Houston. And at that point, I kind of shut it down. I said, no, it's not going to happen because of his age. And then, you know, I looked at tape. I went back and looked at tape. He played pretty good. 
And he's got, you know, Pulse has familiarity with him through Kansas City, spent a number of years with him at Kansas City, and that was his best years in football. And then he played in this scheme for Flus for two years at Indianapolis. So that being said, you think, okay, he, he's got to be a guy they're thinking of. And they said no. They went to Yannick Agagwe. Now, there's one thing. Is it Yannick or is it Yannick? Because I've heard both. Uh, I don't think he said what he prefers to be called. Um, I was watching a video from when he was in Jacksonville, and it was the Jacksonville uh, announcers, and they were calling him Yannick, but, you know, whatever. Uh, you know, I think given the age, given his overall sack production, and Rod Marinelli, who is a big influence on Flukes, had a lot to do with that signing. Yeah, you know, and what I like about the signing is, you know, even though he has bounced around a little bit, he's a veteran, he still has a lot left in the tank. He could he would have been obviously the Bears' best pass rusher last season if he was on the team. Um, he's a relatively durable guy. I know there's some questions uh, with him against the run. But what I like most about the signing is it is on a one-year deal. I think he is eventually, hopefully, looking for a home somewhere where he can stick for a couple of years. But Ryan Poles is basically bringing him in as a, as a proven guy. We know that if you're looking towards next year, the free agent class at defensive end um, gets a little bit more uh, fruitful. Um, I also think that the Bears are probably going to dip a couple of times into the draft uh, at the defensive line position. So this could be a stopgap. Or he could sign an, an extension well, that, going forward. Yeah, I mean, it's a possibility. You know, when you give a guy $10.5 million, 10 of which is guaranteed, that's not really a prove it. Because mm -hmm. he, he's proved it. That's a lot of money. Uh, I honestly thought going in, looking at some of the other deals that people got over the last few months, and, and one being Leonard Floyd. You know, Leonard Floyd didn't get that money. And, and uh, Smoot down in Jacksonville didn't get that money. It brought up Houston. Houston was made the last two seasons, Houston made two and a half and three million. So I thought his number was going to be three and a half to four based on production, which was, you know, kind of surprising to me. Uh, and, and it was surprising that Ngakwe got uh, 10 and a half from the Bears. I thought it might be more in the area of, um, eight and a half to nine, you know, based on production. But, you know, they they have a spending floor. They have to hit that. Um, they showed him some love. Uh, whether they want to bring him back next year, I think that that remains to be seen. I've, I've said it over and over again the last couple of weeks. Now, to doubt my mind, one of those first-round picks is going to be used on an edge and maybe two out of their first three. Because if you look at, at how – Ryan, well, his philosophy and how he's building the team, he takes the key positions in the draft, guys that he and, and it helps with your cap throughout the year and it helps you spread out the numbers on your cap. You know, he's taken an offensive lineman high, he's taken a bunch of defensive backs real high. These are key people, and so it, it the only place that he hasn't drafted is edge and. That, you know, that's one of the key positions in the defense. So I can see him spending one and possibly two high picks on, on an edge next uh, April. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, just looking at the comments here. Uh, thank you guys for the comments so much. One large football uh, basically asked, do you think Yannick will be a three down 
uh, defensive end in, in this scheme. You know, we we have heard questions about him uh, against the run. I know they uh, they 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 brought that up last week, and Flus did say that he would be a three down guy. But you know, what do you think? Do you think that's all smoke and mirrors right now? And as the season starts, he just you know, kind of is a pin your ears back kind of pass rusher. Well, first of all, they they're going to play a rotation, mm-hmm. and whether it's a seven man rotation or an eight man rotation, that remains to be seen. And that could change from week to week, depending on the opponent. But it'll be at least seven, and all of those guys are going to play and get you know a large number of snaps. Now you look at his his record of of snaps, or and he is for his career he's averaging it's like seventy two percent of the defensive snaps on a yearly basis. So he's playing against the run, and and I look at it this way: people could say what they want. Coaches aren't going to keep the guy in the game if he can't play a, a run defense. Yet it shows with by playing 73% of the snaps that he's been in there for the run. And I go back to what Marinelli said. And, and Travis Smith, who's his coach here, was the assistant defensive line coach at the Raiders under Marinelli. So he's got a lot of familiarity. And actually, Travis worked with the defensive ends. Uh You know, both of them said, hey, this guy is going to be fine against the run. But you're also going to see, you know, Demarcus Walker going to be uh, the left end to start off. And and he's a very good run defender. And Rasheen Green will will be in that mix, too, as well as Dominique Robinson. So it's how do they spread out the reps, really? And and when you look at the, the, the amount of money they gave him, He's going to play now. He might not get 70% of the reps like he's gotten in the past, but he's going to get a lot of reps. I wanted to shift focus. You know, the Bears also brought in another veteran from last or late last week. They brought in tight end Mercedes Lewis, uh, an old enemy from the Packers, uh, veteran, 38 years old. He's been in the league now for 52 years. Um, but he's coming in primarily as a blocking, <laughs> as a blocking tight end. Uh, what do you think of the signing as, as uh, they bring in a nice savvy veteran in Mercedes Lewis? You know, I, I tweeted out last week. I don't know if you saw it. He's so old that I took him out to dinner on his 30. You know, we had, you can bring in 30 guys, 30 visits for the pre-draft. And they brought in, uh, we brought in him. I took him out to dinner with Lovey and uh, the little running back from uh, UCLA came in the same day. And, and that was 2006. So he's been around a long, long time. Uh, you know, my, my first, at first I was like, that goes against the grain of what polls does. But then you look at it, number one, you're not getting a whole lot of money, $2 million. Uh, and he knows the offense. So Getsy and Robert Tanyan were both jumping on the table for him. Uh, he's a pro's pro. And I, and then when you look at today, uh, Tonga, but got put on injured, waved injured. And then, um, the kid from Iowa state last, uh, was over the weekend was waved injured, uh, Jake Allen. So it tells me that they weren't totally satisfied with the depth behind Komet and Tanyan and this guy is a still a very, very good blocker. And so it it 
he fits the scheme in that when you want to go into 12 personnel and have them both in tight, because Tanyan's not really a blocker. He can do it, but he's not going to be anywhere near as effective as Komet and uh, Mercedes Lewis. So, uh, you know, I just think having him in the locker room and his ability to help the, the run game are important reasons why they made that signing. It's, it's going to be strictly a one-year uh, deal with the guy. Uh, you, chances are he'll probably retire after this year, uh, especially at the age he is. But uh, what he can bring to the locker room as far as leadership and have been on playoff teams in the past, that's going to help. What they want to do is instill confidence in the young guys, and you need some, some strong vets like that in the locker room to help them. Yeah, what I like about it, too, is, you know, obviously they locked up uh, Cole Komet long-term here. Um, but just me looking at Cole Komet this offseason, he looks a lot leaner to me. He looks a lot slimmer, um, which, you know, makes me feel like he might be playing more, you know, off the line, you know, playing in, in a lot of various different positions where they can give him the football and, you know, use Robert Tunyon and Mercedes Lewis more as, as, as blocking tight ends. So, um, you know, anytime you bring in a smart veteran like that, like Mercedes Lewis, especially in an offense that he's very familiar with, I, I'm all on board with that. It's a, like you said, it's a low risk move, not a lot of money. He's going to help the football team, especially as they get closer to the red zone. Um, I wanted to shift the focus for you to uh, quarterback. Uh, you know, Preston here asked us in the comments. He, he talks about uh, the athletics QB tiers that they came out with a couple weeks ago. And, you know, one of the people were quoting and saying that, you know, Fields two knocks were his anticipation and his accuracy. And we do know that he was one of the most accurate quarterbacks in college football history. Do you think that Justin Fields has an accuracy issue? No, I, I think that, and I've talked about it before, Ross, is that you look at it in 20, 21, and 22, he played in three different schemes. 20, he's playing in Ohio State's offense. 21, he's playing in Matt Nagy's offense. 22, he's playing in Luke Getze's offense. Okay, that that alone is, is going to hurt a young quarterback in that he's got to learn new terminology, new scheme, learn the right route tree that that uh, – and how they run the route tree that that particular scheme has. Uh, it's complicated. And this particular offense is very complicated because – uh, there's a lot of sight adjustments made with the receivers, depending on what the, the defense does. And the quarterback and the receiver have to get on the same page. That's one of the reasons that Claypool didn't come in here and, and set the world on fire. It's the exact opposite offense that he was playing in Pittsburgh. It's going to take a while to catch on. I have a good friend, and, and I'm only repeating this because, you know, you weren't here or weren't on the show when I was talking about this good friend of mine worked with me here with the bears and now he's with the Rams. And he called me right after that trade was made and they play this pretty much the same offense. Terminology is the same. Maybe the plays are a little bit different. He says, if you think you're going to get any production out of that guy this year, you're nuts. You're going to see it next year. He goes, it's, it's a really hard offense for wide receivers to learn. And people, you know, they want instant gratification. You made the trade. So he's supposed to come in here and, and in half a season catch 35, uh, get 35 to 40 receptions and, and six or seven touchdowns. That wasn't going to happen. It wasn't going to happen even if, you know, he had he had uh, some soft tissue injuries, uh, field hurt his shoulder, missed some time. 
even if they were both 100% healthy, that wasn't going to happen. Yeah, I agree. I think there's so much nuance to football and, and dropping a player in a new city, new team, new quarterback, new terminology, like you said, it's going to take him quite a while to get up to speed. And then he had injuries. Um, I was at uh, Family Fest the other day on Sunday. I took my son to, to the festivities. And one thing that jumps out at me, just being so close to the field, is how big Chase Claypool is. He's a big, big dude. Oh, big, he is. He's big body wide receiver. Um, the other thing that stood out to me was he really has been clicking with Justin Fields a lot during this training camp. Do you think that there is a competition between Claypool and Mooney? Obviously, both of them are up for a contract renewal at the end of this year. And do you think the Bears are obligated to choose one or the other? You know, it's a great question. And I was having a, a, a text conversation with a guy earlier today about that same thing. I think that if you put a gun to, to and I this is my thought, but part of it is from conversations I've had with people that, are close to the situation. If you put a gun to Paul's head and say, choose one right now to do the extension with, it would be Claypool. And why do I say that? It's because he's the ideal X wide receiver in this offense. It's the, the, that's the whole reason they went out and traded for him. It's a big, long guy who can run and he fits the description. That's what the, you know, they were hoping they were getting that in EQ, but EQ just doesn't have the skill set that uh, that Claypool has, but they're the same body type, 6'5", uh, Chase is bigger, Claypool's bigger, he's 230, 235, where EQ is about 215, but they're both big guys. But that's what you want playing that X position. And right now the way it looks is, is uh, DJ Moore is going to be playing Z and Mooney is going to be the slot. Now they can um, – both of them can play either position and you'll see some switching probably uh, to because of matchups. They'll see, you know, if, if you've got a really opponent's got a real weak slot, they might put DJ in the slot a little bit just to make a, a, a stronger matchup situation. But I think that, that Mooney's the one replaceable. And part of that too is who they took in the draft. They took Tyler Scott in the draft, which is like a clone. A littler guy who can run like hell and get separation. So is it safe to say that when the Bears are, are in their 12 offense, their 12 personnel, do you think you'll see DJ Moore and Chase Claypool being the two primary receivers out there? Or does Darnell Mooney kind of switch in with Claypool a little bit? I mean, he kind of roll with the hot hand from game to game. Um, you know, I don't know if I can answer that because, like I said, they preferably want a big guy playing the X. So it, when you've got 12 personnel, you have X and Z, and your X and Z, your number one X would be Claypool. I can't see Mooney. The X receiver's on the line of scrimmage, and Mooney's isn't the biggest guy, so I can't see him playing on the line of scrimmage. I can see, you know, being off the line like the, the slot and, and the Z is. So can he do it? Yes. Will he do it? In a perfect world, they don't they don't want to do that. Now, I don't, I'm not trying to downplay Mooney because I really like him as a player. And I think when it's all said and done, they're both going to get money. You know, if you look at the wide receiver market this year as compared to last year, you know, the guy in Jacksonville got a, 
uh, Christopher Kirk got a ton of money and it screwed up the market, but it sort of come back to earth, so to speak, you know, with the money, if you look at the, the contracts wide receivers have gotten this year, yeah. his is way off kilter compared to the other guys. So I think, you know, you might be able to get them done at a reasonable price this year in the offseason. I mean, they're both going to make 10 plus, but the team's got the money to do that. And so, and, and still, and like I say, by, by drafting, the right people at the key positions, you can afford to do that. And they still got to save money for, for fields because the fields ends up being the guy who's going to cost you 250 million in a year from now. Which kind of brings me to a question that we have here from, from Tim Wills. He asked, you know, as important as the edge is, do the bears, you know, potentially decide to take one of those number ones uh, that they have next year and go after a guy like Marvin Harrison. Right. Mara Harrison is one of the best wide receiver prospects we've seen coming out of football in quite a long time. Do you opt to keep a guy like Claypool or or um, or Mooney and then draft Marvin Harrison? All of, obviously, this really depends on what the Bears do this year, season wise, where they start picking. And most importantly, where the Panthers finish off with their right. season and where they pick. Right. Well, for lack of an argument, we're going to say Harrison's going to be a top five. I'm going to say quarterbacks are going to go one and two. Uh, and then after that, he's going to be in the mix, probably with some edge guys or an offensive lineman. Uh, Fushano, the offensive tackle uh, from Penn State, would have been a first-rounder last year. He decided to stay in school. He promised his parents he'd graduate, and he will graduate this year. He's a Nigerian kid, and, and for that uh, family education is important because I know an agent that had talked to him and he was thinking about coming out and he said in the long run, getting this degree was more important. So he decided to stay in school one more year, but he's an excellent offensive tackle. So you, you, you look at who the top guys are and Harrison's going to be in there. So now it's okay. Where is, Carolina could be picking because Carolina is going to have be the higher pick than the Bears. There's no question about that. And then you also look at the thought process of polls and from conversations I've had and, and some with him is that I don't think he feels that wide receivers you take with a high first round pick that. You know, now he made the trade, but w when he made the trade, he had two names in there. He had Burns or DJ. And Carolina chose to keep Burns and give up DJ. So it could have gone the other way around. And, you know, and then he might have had to draft a, a wide receiver because he wanted a guy that could come in and separate. And so I personally feel that that Carolina picks can be an edge. And, uh, Marvin Harrison isn't going to be part of the equation, especially if this group we got right now plays well this year, why are you going to bring in another guy and, and, you know, spoil the party, so to speak. Yeah, completely agree. But some um, of those are unanswered questions because, you know, the season's got to play itself out. So much to play out. Absolutely. Um, you know, I wanted to get Jeff's question in here as well. Um, what do you think about Terrell Lewis? Do you think he makes a team or do you think he's more of a padless wonder? Obviously, he's going to get a lot of snaps coming into preseason uh, starting this Saturday. You know, I did a lot of research on him, 
because he was getting some pub and, and camp. Turned out he was a five-star recruit coming out. He was like the number one or number two defensive line recruit uh, when he uh, went to Alabama coming out of high school. And he had a pretty good freshman year. And then injuries cut in and his production went downhill. He missed a lot of time. Um, He got drafted more on, and he didn't get drafted high, but he got drafted more on what he can be than what he did in college. But now this is his third team. So since he's been in the league, he hasn't done anything. The talent's there. No question the talent's there. You know, he's very, very athletic. He's tall. He's long. He runs well. Uh, His jumps were excellent when he came out. So it's a matter of putting it all together. And I think it's... You know, if they keep five defensive ends and that, and I, you know, they'll probably keep a total of nine defensive linemen and two of the guys, Walker and Rasheed Green, to an extent, can play inside on passing downs if you want. And Walker can play inside on base downs. So if you're going to keep nine, you're going to keep five defensive ends. Well, how good is Rasheem Green a guy? Is he a lock to make the roster? That's a question. But the guy's been a pretty good pro. His, you know, he's not a guy that's going to get you eight or nine sacks, but he's going to get you four or five. And he's a real good run player. He's got good size, about 275 pounds. Um, Dominique Robinson is a guy they really think has a, a bright upside. Just raw as hell and and – uh, needs to play. And this is the second year he worked with, um, what the hell was the guy's name, Ross, who defensive end, the short defensive end who had a million sacks for uh, uh, the Colts, uh, Math, Robert Mathis. Yeah, he worked with Mathis Freeney. for yeah. a while. Yes. Yeah, it wasn't Freeney. I think it was Mathis. Because the they Mathis. had two little guys. It was Mathis. Yep. And, and he worked with, with Mathis quite a bit in the offseason season. Uh, trying to develop some technique. He's a freak athlete. This guy had like a 40-inch vertical jump at 255 pounds when he came out at the combine and a real, like a 37-inch vertical. He runs real well. Um, Got long arms to go along with his 6'5 height. So he's got the traits you want. Now he's got to put it all together. This is only his fourth year playing the defensive line. So, yeah, I think he's going to take a jump. And that's going to be, and, and he is, you know, he's one of Paul's guys mm-hmm. where Travis Gibson was a, was a Nagy pace guy. So could he be the odd man out? Yeah. And then it, it, as far as Lewis, he's got to really have a real, a, a strong preseason, especially the next two weeks uh, to show that he's worthy of staying, saying, and, you know, when you look at this, and I know this the scheme like the back of my hand because it's the same scheme we had when I was working there with Lovey, and and the defensive ends got to get upfield, and 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 they have to put consistent pressure on the quarterback, and so if he shows he can do that, then he, yeah, he's got a good chance of sticking. Like it, you know, uh, the Bears are in shells today, so they're not in pass today, um, but we've got. Not participating today, Eddie Jackson, Kyler Gordon, J. 
Jaquan Brisker, Terrell Smith, Demarcus Walker, Lucas Patrick, Tremaine Edwards, Dylan Cole, Roshan Johnson, and Dante Pettis. Is this more of well? I know you should have said who did flat practice. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Is this more of Eberflus just being super conservative in year two after he saw how many injuries stacked up on the team last year, or is there any cause for concern right now with some of these guys? You think? Well, you know, it's funny. Everybody, when somebody misses practice, people in the media and even fans, they go, you know, crazy. Oh, this guy's missing time. He's going to be a flop or whatever. The training staff is the people who are in, who are in charge of it as to if a guy practices or doesn't practice. And if they say he's not ready to go, he's not ready to go. And more often than not, this time of the year during training camp, they're going to err on the side of caution. I'd rather hold you out a day or two than put you in and get us something that's relatively easy to clear up, have that flare up and become worse. And now instead of missing a day or two, you're going to miss a week. So they'd much rather say, hey, stay out today. We're going to have pads on tomorrow. You're going to work tomorrow. And we still have 33 days. Shout out Charles Tillman, number 33, uh, until week one. Uh, against Green Bay. So we still have a whole month here to go, right? Where, you know, guys can kind of get past these little nagging injuries. No need to push them, you know, completely right now and, and, and have them not be available for, for week one. Um, you know, kind well, of- you're always, <laughs> getting, you're always getting mental reps. Yeah. And, you know, when you're in practice there, you, you're standing there watching, you know what's going on. Mm-hmm. So you're not getting the physical rep, but you are getting the mental rep. And that's important with young guys too. Yeah, absolutely. Completely agree. Um, what does things look like now going into this Saturday? What are you looking for specifically, if anything, right? It's a first preseason game. You know, let's talk about like first team offense. How how do you want how long do you want Justin out there? Is he taking any design runs? How long is a guy like DJ Moore, Chase Claypool playing out there? We know Mike Vrabel is gonna bring a physical football team into town. That's just how the Tennessee Titans roll. What's the kind of fine line between we want to kind of get into a rhythm, but we got to pull back a little bit and make sure some of our guys like Justin don't don't get banged up. I think if if Justin plays, it'll be no more than two series, one to two series, and that's it. And if he has a good, you know, they go in, they don't game plan, but they go in with playtime anticipation. And they want to get certain people a certain amount of reps. So if let's say you get the the opening kickoff and you have a 10-play drive and you go down to the score and you wanted to get the guy eight plays or something, well, it, it, and, and that could be two series if you go three and out, three and out. But if you have the one long drive, you're done. And and you know, you're on to the next group of guys. So the one thing you you, you gotta look at. I'm, I'm going to write about this later, is the first preseason game, number one, is the most boring game of football you'll ever see. But it's more about evaluation and individual players, not the team. There is no game plan. It's basic offense, basic defense against basic offense and basic defense. And you're trying to see who can play at a high level especially the young guys and who's going to hold up physically because this is going to be a lot more, uh, what's the word, physical than any practice session they've had. So 
Now, going into next week, that's a different story because now you're going to have open practices against the, the Colts for a couple of days, and, and those can get pretty – but those are almost like a game because you're against another team, and they can get pretty physical. But this game, you know, I, I wouldn't care who wins or who loses. I want to know how certain people play. I don't care about the continuity of the offense or the continuity of the defense. Again, it's strictly individual play. Who stands out? Who win, who wins his one-on-one matchups and looks like he can help the team down? You know, once we get into the season, it's a big game. For, it's a big game for a lot of the young guys, right? Like Tyler Scott. You know, it's a big game for him. It's a big. It's a big game to me for Bayless Jones Jr., who we don't know what he is as a wide oh, receiver. Yeah. He struggled, but we do know that he could play a big part in special teams. So he's going to have to be able to hold on to the football in special teams if he wants to make this roster, right? Yeah, I, I guess he's had a couple practices where, you know, he's had some drops. And that's not unusual for a young receiver. In most cases, drops are when, – when you know that a guy can catch the ball and he's got good hands and you can see him, you know, adjust to tough passes, then it's either concentration or nerves. And I, you know, with a rookie, it's a combination of both. And so it's just feeling confident with what you're doing and then having the concentration to make the play. Um, guy has a bad practice. That means really nothing to me. It's how he bounces back from the bad practice. And that's more important. It's the same thing like in a game. A corner gets beat. Does he hang his head and, and then look terrible the rest of the game? Or is he able to shake it off and go uh, go forward and shut the guy out the rest of the game? It's the same thing with the practice situation. If you have a bad practice, forget about it and, and start the new day tomorrow. Um, new rule this year leads me to J2K's question. He's asking about, you know, do we keep six defensive ends or do we keep five? And I say new rule because remember now yep. the, the league is kind of mandating that you have that third quarterback active and he's a part of your 53-man roster. And how does that affect some of the other positions on the field versus who you keep or dress from week to week? Well, you got to look at what, what they've done in the past and, and – you know, I think they keep nine defensive linemen, and there's a couple of those guys that can play inside and outside. So that would be four tackles and five ends. And you've got guys like Walker and Green who can also play inside if they have to. So that kind of evens up your number. It's who's going to dress on Sunday. They're going to dress seven or eight on Sunday, which is more important than – the overall makeup of the roster. Um, quarterback, you know, they've been keeping two. Uh, I, I think they got a, you know, they, they gave P.J. Walker some money. And I know a lot about P.J. Walker because we wanted to get him on, on my XFL team. And we missed out. Houston got him before we could get an opportunity to, to draft him. Uh, you know, I went down, he was at the Colts in 2019. I went down there, uh, for a couple of days for practice and he looked, and that's when, when, uh, Andrew Luck was out. That's when he, uh, first started to miss practice right before he retired and PJ looked pretty good. So 
Um, is he a bona fide top backup in the league? I don't know. I don't know if I have the answer for that. Uh, <clears throat> but he gives you that element of athleticism that he can make plays with his feet. He can extend plays with his feet. He's got some speed. So he's, he's not just somebody similar type of athlete, not anywhere near as fast. So that helps. It, it's, you know, I think it's fair to say that you're going to see nine defensive linemen and six wide receivers on this roster, probably three tight ends, five running backs, including one fullback. Yeah, and PJ throws a uh, beautiful deep ball, too. I think we can all remember that pass that he threw to DJ Moore last year in Atlanta. Uh, that's you remember DJ subsequently took off the helmet and cost them the penalty, which pushed them back and they, they missed the field goal. Uh, but I like PJ Walker a lot. I like him a lot as a backup. I always like when your backup QB can kind of mimic the same skill set as your starting QB, right? You don't have to right. change the offense too much uh, in that regard. Um, speaking of quarterback, we're going back to Justin Fields. You know, Tim Willis asks, you know, so many fans are expecting a Jalen Hurts slash Josh Allen jump for Justin in year three. Um, are the Bears as established as where the Eagles and Bills were? Um, and can we still expect that kind of jump from Justin in year three? I don't know if he's going to have quite as big a jump. I expect a big jump, but those guys, it was the third year in the same scheme. And this is his second year in the scheme. Uh, but it's his third year in the league. He's learned how to, to read defenses. He knows what he's going to see. Uh, he has a better familiarity with the receivers and the scheme itself. So, yeah, I think so. You know, I, I'm from Buffalo, so I follow the Bills very, very closely. And Josh Allen – in his third year was a totally different quarterback. And he, you know, his first two years, he was like 55 and 57 or 58% pass completion. The second year he was around 58. His third year for most of the season, right until the end when they got some bad weather games and, and his completion percentage dropped off because of that, his completion percentage was around 70, 71 most of the year finished out at 69. That was a like a 10 and a half, 11 point jump from one year to the next. That's almost unheard of. I don't know if you're going to see Justin take that kind of jump. He was what, 61% last year, but if he gets to 65 and cuts down, you know, and his percentage of TDs to uh, interceptions, that ratio is real favorable then they're going to have a hell of a season. And he's going to be considered to be a, a, you know, a rising good quarterback within the league. Absolutely. And I think one big variable, obviously, you know, Josh Allen had his Stefan Diggs come in. Jalen Hurts had his um, A.J. Brown come in. D.J. Moore is a huge piece of that. D.J. Moore has been torching people all through training camp. He looked great on Sunday when I saw him. It can't be understated how much of a, presence he brings to Justin and the entire offense, Claypool, Mooney, Komet, Tunyon, Khalil Herbert, right? Like, you know, DJ Moore really could come out of this year having a top 10 wide receiver, you know, type of season if he stays healthy. Well, he, he, you know, pretty much done that. 
you know, I, I did a comparison because when they got him, I compared him to the Bills getting Stephon Diggs. And when you look at their numbers, they both came in, they both came to their new team in their sixth year in the league. So Stephon Diggs' first five years were with Minnesota. DJs were with Carolina. If you look at the numbers, they're almost identical. The only what what Diggs had that that DJ didn't have was Diggs had more stability at quarterback. DJ after Cam Newton was gone had no stability at, at quarterback in, in Carolina. So you could arguably say that DJ was actually better. But then when Diggs goes to Buffalo and he gets a good quarterback and he becomes the number one, his numbers have been off the charts. He's been over a, a hundred receptions three times. Um, whether DJ is going to become that good here, that remains to be seen. Don't forget you're in Chicago. And yes, I know Buffalo gets bad weather, but they don't get the wind. The, it's actually colder and windier here than it is in Buffalo. Buffalo just gets snow. Temperature stays pretty mild. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, the Bears still have a little bit of money left here. Um, do you anticipate any more in-house extensions before the season starts? We talked about Claypool. We talked about Mooney. Are they going to let those guys uh, play out a little bit? Jalen, uh, you know, Jalen is, is, is obviously a guy that could be extended, you know, in the next couple of weeks here. Or do you and then, you know, to piggyback off that, the Bears also hold the number one waiver wire uh, selection through week three, I want to say it is, until the standings start shifting a little bit. Do you think they could potentially bring in some more help, even on the defensive line, and bring in another veteran pass rusher into the mix? Well, you got to be careful because what people misconstrue with the waiver wire being number one on the waiver wire is that's with unvested players. So it's guys who have been one, two, and three years in the league. Once the guy's four years in the league, he's he's doesn't go through waivers. He's free agent the minute he gets cut agent. and he can sign with everyone. So you're that takes away a little bit from having the number one choice. But I, you know, I would think looking at this team right now, how they play the next two weeks on the offensive line with the backups, not the starters how the backups play, that that could be a determining, determining factor on if they put a claim in for a uh, offensive lineman or not. And I think, um, you know, because that, that could possibly be a question mark. And I just haven't seen enough to, to know the answer. But we'll, these guys will get a majority of the reps in the preseason. I think, you know, if you go back to last year, Braxton Jones played a minimum of a half in each of the preseason games. So if some of these young guys get that kind of play time this year, then you'll be able to see if they feel the depth is strong enough, you know, assuming one of the starters goes down for a game or two. Yeah, it's good to see Nate Davis uh, at least back on the field in some capacity today. Um, so that that's a big uh, you know thing for them. He's been out, he hasn't been out there the last couple of weeks. Obviously, we'll be able to see Darnell Wright take his first real NFL action uh, on Saturday. Uh, what are you looking from him, other than just kind of getting his feet wet a little bit and, and kind of you know getting acclimated to the league? 
I wouldn't be a bit surprised if he plays a half in three games, just like Braxton did last year, just so he gets the reps going into the opening game. You know, and he's 22 years old. His body can take it. It's not like he's an old vet. So uh, I, I, I expect him to play a lot. I expect them to really find out what Leatherwood can or can't do and then make a decision one way or the other. And there's a, there's a rookie free agent that I want to see because the reason he get, didn't get drafted was he had some injury issues at Pitt is uh, Huey, who can play guard or tackle. Uh, and he's a big guy. He's six six. He's got length to him. He's pretty athletic, but he had injury issues. So number one, can he stay on the field? But number two, how's he look during the preseason? Uh, and and that's going to be interesting. And and actually, uh, Carter too, uh, Jay Tyree Carter, who they drafted last year. I want to see him take a step because he's very very strong and very very athletic. He's been getting a lot of reps in training camp with the ones, so they clearly like him a lot, and they think that he can fill in whenever you need to. Um, you know, did you know to... he was a point guard in high school? I did not. That's awesome. Not, not only was he a point guard, he got D1 offers to play guard in that college. Be, that'd be scary seeing that guy, guy come down like, the paint. <laughs> I know. This is a guy who was 250 in high school. Oh, man. Yeah. That's, I love that. It's like a, like a point forward, right? Um, mm -hmm. I'm going to get Jeff's question in here. Um, what do you think about the number six, uh, you know, CB spot? Do you think that's Strowman? Do you think it's Jalen Jones? You know, Strowman has had a good camp by all accounts, uh, but Jalen Jones has played well too. Obviously, I think we're going to see it play out during preseason, right? This is what preseason's for, is for these kind of spots. Well, Terrell Smith and Stevenson, they got a job. Jalen Johnson's got a job. Yeah. It's who's after that. Strowman has experience in the league. He's had a good camp so far, but then you got, you know, you got two guys from, from last year. Uh, Jones, number one, Jalen Jones, I thought played pretty darn good. And then um, Blackwell, when he got an opportunity to play, play good. And these guys are exceptional athletes with a lot of speed I think we got to see how they play and, you know, who, who's going to be the odd man out is really going to be interesting. Absolutely. Uh, even Vildor, right? Vildor might be a bubble guy right now. Right. right. I, you know, I thought Vildor took a big step last year and then he got hurt at the end of the year. So, you know, seeing the outhouse looking in, or is he, you know, when you look at the depth chart, he's way at the bottom. And again, I, that doesn't mean anything. It's uh, let's see when he gets in the game or if he gets in the game on Sunday. If you, if you don't see some of these guys play this week, that their job is supposedly on the line, that's the writing on the wall. Yep, absolutely. Um, any, any last thoughts here before we get out of here about this week heading into to our first we finally get some action on Saturday. I think it's been a, it's a, we've all been waiting for so long. It's exciting to see them take the field and, uh, and, and finally face another football team for the first time in about nine months, right? Any, any last thoughts here? I just, I'm, I'm anxious to see how some of these young guys play and not just the rookies, even, even the guys in their second year, because you take a, <clears throat> for the most part, you take a big jump going into year two. So I'm anxious to see, 
like Dominique Robinson. Yep. Does he look like a different player, more explosive uh, than he was a year ago? You know, he got off to a real good start last year and then, you know, kind of hit a wall early in that. Uh, now, I, I said on the show last week, I was watching a video that the Bears had nothing to do with. And, you know, he he's from, um, uh, is it Warren, Ohio or near Canton? Canton. He's from Canton, Ohio. And uh, he went back to get some award or be named to the Hall of Fame to McKinley High School in Canton. And so it was a, a neat little like 30 minute documentary. And he he's just a number one, he's a good person, but he's got some unique traits that that you just if he takes off with his his natural skill set, he could be a hell of a player. And I'm just anxious to see if he can do that. And he said by his own admission that he thought, you know, after the first two games, he went downhill, but then he came back and he said the last three games of last year were the best, even though he didn't get a sack, they were the best all around games that he played as far as defending the run and carrying out his assignments the right way. I love it. I love it. What are you writing up about this week, Greg? What can we look forward to? Uh, well, I'm going to write about the first preseason game. I'm going to, as soon as we get done with this, I'm going to start writing that. Um, what I'm going to do at the end of the week, I don't know yet. I might, I might wait till after the game and then, uh, you know, see how they play and see if there's anything interesting that, that comes out of that game that I want to write about. I love it. I love it. We'll look forward to seeing it on WindyCityGridiron.com. Uh, Greg, this was fun. I appreciate it. We're going to have to do this again. Yes, it was. Hey, it was, very it, soon. It, it was uh, fun uh, spending an hour with you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Don't forget, follow Greg at GGabriel, uh, Twitter.com. You follow me at Ross Reed. I'll be back, Mac and Reed show tomorrow night. We'll talk a lot more of the same stuff. Thank you to all the barflies in the comments. Aldo, we love you again. Get well, my brother. We're going to hold it down until you are there. And uh, until next time, everybody, have a good one. Thank you, Greg. See you later. Thanks, guys.